The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. And ho- hopefully, hopefully my my energy seems a little okay. I gave blood uh, earlier this morning. Oh, really? And Lots of people have been doing that today. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised how many people were there uh, doing it when I was there. Yeah, there's been a lot of. There was there was a local blood drive, I think, and I saw someone say something like, "A lot of people here today." Yeah. So, I mean, I guess everybody has the time, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Less of an excuse. I guess it's just your will to leave the house at this point. Yeah, and you get some uh, free little snacks, too. <laughs> As if you need more of an excuse to eat junk food. Right, exactly. Right <laughs> they come to our school. I did it, like, last year. And I was like, it was, it was, it was a good experience, but... I've realized that if I ever get blood again, I'm not doing it during a school day or during work or something. Like, cause that would, it yeah. like drained me. But at least you got to get out of class, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that what exactly. everybody was thinking <laughs> that did it? Um, well, I mean, that's what everybody, it was mostly my friends who were like, do it. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, you know, cause yeah. other people were doing it. And I was like, why not? Um, but they're like, yeah, you get to miss class. And I was like, sure. I don't see a problem with that. Um, I don't think, I think the classes I were missing though were not like the best classes to miss. It was like, it was all the, all the fun classes I was missing. Oh, yeah. And then there's karma. Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Yeah. If it was, if it was like right before lunch or something like that, and then you get to do that, it'd probably be a little bit better. But if you got like the rest of the day to go, then it could be kind of hard. It was like right in the middle of the day. So the second half of my day, I was just like sitting at, sitting at my desk. Like I don't feel normal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just good experience though glad i did that it's always good to give <laughs> welcome to season three episode 17 of the better band podcast an all-encompassing trip through the pearl jam catalog i'm your host brandon palomo Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon. My guest today is Joey Goodsir. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. It's (laughs) nice to be on the show. Oh, hey, it's good to have you. A first-time guest. Uh, we're going to cover the song that is this podcast's namesake, Better Man. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys are named after this, so I guess this is kind of a big episode. Yeah, it, it, it took me a while to uh, figure out the name for this podcast, and I had some different ideas, and I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, I was just looking at the titles of the songs, and Better Man, Better Band. It's been staring me in the face. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Sometimes something is so simple as the names of shows are just impossible to figure out. Yeah. But uh, let's see. I haven't had you on this show before. So, Joey, I'm going to have to ask you before we start, uh, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Okay. So, um, if those of you listening can't tell already probably can't i am 18 years old i'm a senior in high school so uh brandon and i were discussing this before the show but i'm pretty sure i'm one of your youngest listeners and one of and definitely probably the youngest guest on the show but yeah i started listening it was really a combination of a bunch of like good things happening at once just timing wise i was really trying to expand what i was listening to music wise i've always you know i have a very very huge and broad taste of music but classic rock is kind of my core like you know born to run is my is is the most important album that has ever um kind of been involved in my life um so i'm a you know decently big springsteen fan love the rolling stones all the all the basic stuff and i was you know lots of that was something that i was kind of you know uh, you know as kind of a son of my dad was kind of brought into and, you know, loved on my own. I wouldn't say, like, you know, it was forced on me or something ridiculous. But I kind of was looking for something new and something of my own. And it was freshman year, and that was 2016. So a bunch of things came together. Um, it was just announced that Pearl Jam was going to be one of the bands inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I One of my most pivotal music moments for me was going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in 2012. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. 
Um, way too young to do that, but it was a <laughs> great experience. Um, that year was Guns N' Roses, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Beastie Boys, Faces, Donovan, Green Day was a special guest, bunch of awesome people there. It was a big moment, but you know, I've kept somewhat in touch with what Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are doing. I'm not that happy with the, the inductees this year, I got to say. But, um, you know, I saw that they were, I saw that Pearl Jam was getting inducted. And I was, you know, I had obviously heard of them before, but not really known what I was doing. I mean, even on the most basic levels of things. So I started to dive into them alongside with, you know, um, the Cubs starting their World Series run. I'm a huge Cubs fan. Um, my first house was eight blocks away from Wrigley when I was, you know, a little baby cool <laughs> and um so in that sense it was really kind of like let's play two in real life for me because my <laughs> my love of pro jam was kind of brewing up at the same time as the cubs winning the world series so let's play two when that was announced was a big deal for me and obviously identifying with um eddie's love of the cubs and um eddie was really kind of my biggest you know was kind of the big member for me early on and you know one of the main reasons I connected to the band. And I guess that was part of the reason why the timing was so well. And also why, you know, when we get into the song, why better man was so important, but it was a combination of those things between the Cubs winning the world series and Pearl Jam's music becoming kind of experiencing a little bit of popularity at that time, alongside them getting inducted, that really got me into it. And really the last thing that really like took my fandom was, um, you know, getting exposed to what, um, you know, their whole official concert bootleg series was and understanding what that was because it was my freshman year and I'm a varsity swimmer. This just completed my fourth and final year of that. And it was a lot of late nights of um, coming home and um, needing to play some music while I was, you know, trying to get through all my homework, you know, so I didn't stay up too late. But, you know, oftentimes it went pretty late in the night. And I realized that Pearl Jam's bootlegs, at least the ones that were on iTunes. So, you know, I started I started really with 10 and I dove into those albums early on. But the bootlegs, mostly the ones from 03 are the main ones that are on like Apple Music now. I really dove into those and loved those. And that was kind of the thing that really drew me into the band. And, you know, when I when I was when I was coming home every night from practice, it was really just kind of a cool thing to just kind of shuffle through those bootlegs, pick one out, and that would be my, you know, music for the night. So I, I kind of developed a bond with the band in many ways during that kind of freshman year of high school. Was it your uh, parents that kind of had music playing around, and so that's why you got more into classic rock or something? Or Yes. So it was, it was definitely my parents. Um, you know, I think that that was, a big, that was a big influence for me, and I grew to love on my own lots of, lots of the music my parents love. But I think that the thing that really struck a chord with me with Pearl Jam was that it was kind of my own thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my 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 dad was a decent, you know, had listened to the band, but, you know, not a fan nearly as much as I am at this point. And that's kind of what was exciting about it. I feel like probably every music fan can relate to that. It's probably a different artist for everybody. But, you know, sometimes there's there's a band that speaks to your own identity and you kind of get to discover on your own. And Pearl Jam was that band. Yeah, that was, that was Pearl Jam was the the band that I discovered for me too. I was just listening to you know the music my parents would have on and stuff like that, and, and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this. I'm gonna try to you know stop listening to well, still listen to that stuff. But I was like, oh, I've been listening to just Boys to Men and Prince and Mariah Carey, <laughs> and you know I'll try something different. Yeah, it's like whoa, just blow my mind. All right, this is mine, and then you know go to school and all the other kids are like oh yeah cool yeah. pearl jam well except was, for the uh the people who are like oh no new kids on the block or whatever else <laughs> vanilla ice <laughs> i mean that that was that was definitely the experience for me completely um i mean really just opening me up to a whole new world as far as music goes like you know as i said um the bootlegs were a big deal with me alongside the albums i you know i eventually pretty much chronologically which was actually kind of nice that i somehow ended up doing mm -hmm. that um, got exposed to all the albums, but the bootlegs were pretty transforma transformational for me as far as like, whoa, bands can play completely different sets every night. Like that's a possible thing. And this band does that. Like I'm a nerdy music fan. Like that's <laughs> perfect for me, you know, you know, not to mention the music is obviously fantastic and, you know, speaks to me on so many different levels, which I mean, I guess being, being an 18 year old is kind of just one, you know, representing scenario of how, how far this band reaches 
Um, so this song, they uh, Eddie had written it back in his uh, younger days before he came into Pearl Jam and played it with uh, Bad Radio. Jam and uh, they Pearl Jam played it first live at the '93 Slims show where they debuted a bunch of Versus tracks. Where it was kind of uh, still in consideration for being on the Versus album. Uh, Brendan, as the story goes, Brendan O'Brien heard it and was like, "Oh my gosh, this song is the best! It's the greatest! We're putting it on this album!" And why are you guys looking like that? What is going on? And they didn't want to do it. And then he uh, said that he was going to give it to Chrissy Hind for a Greenpeace benefit CD, and uh, that ended up falling through. Uh, this is also part of the uh, the Fabled Man trilogy, along with Nothing Man and Leather Man. Of course, I always have to mention that Dead Man gets left off, but I guess they want it to be a trilogy and not a quadrilogy. That's true. I never even thought about that. Why does it get left out like that? <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah, I know. They just uh, they, and 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 it came out before Leatherman, so I don't know. Maybe it's because it's yeah. more of like an Eddie. Yeah, maybe it's because it's more of like an Eddie solo sort of thing as opposed to like a band song. I guess. I guess, but I mean, I guess Better Man was his was his baby that kind of expanded. That's kind of the cool part of it is the way that it's evolved for sure. Yeah. Um. The version that eventually came out on Vitology. Um, they tracked and kind of put it together with the, they put it together from the Fox theater, uh, show that they played on the radio and everything and, and splice that together with a, uh, organ and guitar demo thing track that they, uh, they included on the Vitology re-release. So it's kind of those two things kind of spliced together, and that really is what changed it, and let them think that uh, it's co- it's different enough for it to be on the album instead of just a pure pop song. Uh, this was also released as part of the 2004 fan club single, and they and uh, Eddie performed that with the Weimar High School Choir of Port Elizabeth, South Africa, in the fabled Molo sessions. They also did uh, Long Road in there and nothing man i think crap i can't remember i just talked about that right yeah i just talked about long road so i already uh knew this but they took that and put that on that uh on that fan club single so now we got all that sort of stuff the 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 school work out of the way and now we can play (laughs) um let's do it yeah um this song well i guess one other thing too is that the, the I I first heard this song played on the radio. So it was it was uh it was Tremor Christ, um, Nothing Man and Better Man. That for some reason they played before Vitology came out, which, you know, are are not any of the singles <laughs> that they had, but just one random day they're like, Oh, we're gonna play some new songs from the Pearl Jam that hasn't come out yet. And I was like, Oh and I got my yeah. cassette tape and had it in and you know, what you got to do is you got to hit record and play at the same time and then also pause 
so that doesn't start recording. So that way I could just hit pause again when the song started so I can uh, have those songs and listen to them over and over again. And uh, so I did that, waited for them to play and did that. And the song starts with a really weird kind of ebo and bass kind of... Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. I mean, do we know anything about that? I mean, I've, I've, you know, never found anything about that whole intro because it's not, you know, the the track before it is uh, Satan's Bed, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's no connection. Like, you know, when you when you hear that, I, at least like if you're like listening to songs individually and you hear that, you know, usually you'd be like, oh, that's from like the previous song or something. But it's just kind of there. Yeah, and and you know, whenever they play it on the radio. And everything they play it with that part in the beginning too, where it's kind of like ah, I don't know this. It, it's I don't know a weird sort of palate cleanser or something in there. Maybe just to kind of add just like a touch of weirdness to it again, just like along with the theme of avoiding it from being a complete pop song because you know of Eddie's personal connection to it and it's you know the you know darker lyrical themes behind it and how personal it is and just kind of avoiding it from becoming this basic pop song. Yeah. And uh, there was a um, some leaked versions of Vitology before the album came out where it has a different sort of beginning thing on it. It has like this weird backwards guitar sort of noodling around on it as well. So that like that like that and um, the beginning of Nothing Man I think is uh, on that same leak is uh, is different as well. Vitology is by far my favorite album because I love like just the weirdness of it. I'm like I've I've mm-hmm. grown to just embrace and love every single part of that. Like you know, Ten was where I started, unquestionably you know the most important, but where the fandom really developed. And, you know, different different albums have aged over time. You, you know, you, if you asked me to write a top 10, you know, it'd be different every day. But, <laughs> you know, Vitology for me was what kind of distanced like, oh, this is a band that's going to last for me as far as that goes. And that's part of it. It's just all the all the weirdness of it. Let's see. So you're saying that this song kind of got you back into the band or something? Saying or? Yes. So, you know, I really... I. My first memories of this band were really listening to 10, getting exposed to it that way, which, you know, I, you know, I was, I was on, I was on single podcast theory uh, with, with the Brads once and talking to them about how kind of I got exposed to the band because they were interested in how, you know, it's a different experience. And, you know, I, I, I kind of was like, oh, I started with 10, like, obviously. And they're like, well, you know, not really. I mean, you could have really started anywhere. <laughs> and I guess that's what's interesting about it is I did actually go pretty chronological. Um, as far as studio albums go, you know, that was the way that went. But the exception was my um, my experience with listening to live stuff and listening to the bootlegs because the bootlegs I first got exposed to were the ones that happened to be on Apple Music where I was mainly listening to stuff that are not, that I don't, you know, that aren't records I already own. And those were mainly 2003 shows. And um, I vividly remember one of the first shows I ever listened to was the Chicago show from that tour. I think I have it written down. Yeah, it was on June 18th. And it really hit me the way that many people are impacted by the 2010 MSG version, the, you know, like the V Better Man live version that's featured in Pearl Jam 20 and um, is kind of the definitive live version that people always go to. There's a lot of similarities in that version with, you know, the crowd singing. I mean, obviously, I have the personal connection to it, so it's loaded with a ton of bias, but I've always preferred that version in the context of, you know, what's the definitive uh, Better Man, just because the crowd is... Uh, the, the feature the feature of the MSG version that's, you know, incredibly cool is just how overwhelming the crowd is, and that's kind of what blows people away about it and what's made it so iconic. But um, what made that Chicago 2003 version kind of a precursor to that, but also um, really impactful for me was just how how crisp the the crowd singing the song was in that specific version. And um, that's what really blew me away was how connected so many people were 
to this song specifically and this band. And hearing this song once again in that live context really started to make me, you know, want to dive deeper and want to go deeper into this band. So Better Man in that way um, has an important role in my fandom. Pearl Jam has always been a an interesting case study, I think, in the fact that as when you're younger, it's easy to sort of feel alone and not connected and you feel that like all the emotions that you have are yours alone and nobody ever feels the way you feel and it's sort of isolating in that but then you know Pearl Jam all of these songs you know especially the 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 super early albums and stuff like that are really personal to Eddie and it's just a testament that you know we are all people and we all are connected in a way because you know so many people identify with those songs that you know he was probably thinking you know i'm the only one who's gone through x or y and stuff and these people are like oh yeah it speaks to me too where you know maybe it's not the exact same yeah. thing has happened to them but they kind of have their own experiences that that uh that connect with that and and you know they they feel the same way and it's always it's it's always strange that everybody kind of goes Absolutely. through that and yeah. I don't know very, when some people it either will turn them yeah in. I mean it's it's very very cool and it's 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 an essential part of you know what music fandom is and what what it is with this band too I mean it I know that that's how that's how I felt when I got exposed to it and you know it was the perfect storm for me because again I was a freshman in high school when Pearl Jam really hit me and you know now I'm a, mm-hmm. now I'm a senior so it's really kind of a it's, this is kind of a fun time to reflect on all this, but yeah, just just as a as a freshman getting exposed to a new chapter in my life, um, a lot of new people, a lot of new things, new responsibilities, new just a a new life. You know, and that sounds a little dramatic, but you know, in 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 many ways, and um, kind of feeling new things alongside that. And Pearl Jam was the perfect thing to be like, oh like there's something out there so it definitely like 100 percent that kind of even though even though the timing and the you know maybe the 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 nitty-gritty details of how this band came to be you know my favorite band of all time it you know it might be a little weird in in that logistical sense because i am a you know so young relative to most of the fan base but in regards to feelings and how the connection really happened it's pretty like straightforward middle of the road like you know nothing super unique in that regard so i think that that's kind of where the connection happens and that's what's so cool you can say that it's you know it feels like a a whole new life or whatever like that because i mean like pretty much for for your whole life you've been a kid and you've been growing up and you know now you have people telling us like oh you're going to be a grown-up soon oh here's this like it's your life is going to change oh you're going to go to college you're going to do this or that you know once you graduate that's kind of like the end <laughs> yeah. you got to stop you know being a kid and everything but you know as you get older your mind is still going to be <laughs> pretty much <laughs> as it is right now so you're going to spend a whole lot of time where it's like i still feel like a kid i still feel like i you know have always felt for you know my whole life up to this point and the only difference is people are telling me i'm a grown-up but nothing really feels that different you know i just have to go to a job or whatever but i mean you know that's that's (laughs) that's it right yeah no and like i said yeah it's just it was just the band was the perfect storm for me at the perfect time um because i was going through all that and that's what those kind of insecurities but just i guess personal feelings and feeling like you're isolated in those is such an important theme to i would say i mean at least their first three albums Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's why it spoke to me because i was right i was right in the thick of that um let's see so the song is pretty much about his uh his mom and her relationship with his stepdad, he's uh, set at a concert. This is dedicated to the bastard that married my mama. This song, this song's, uh, I don't think I ever heard it, but it's, uh, it's a new song, but it was written a long time ago. It's dedicated to the bastard that married my mama. And um, 
let's see what uh okay here we go here's here we're gonna get into the uh <laughs> in the deep stuff the dark stuff or, or whatever um yeah thinking about the kind of I don't know, because if you said that you're listening more to sort of uh, like classic rock and everything like that, do you think that um, lyrically, like sort of themes like this you heard in uh, in other people's music or anything? Because I, I, I don't know about, well, I think more music by women, at least today, sort of will touch on subjects like this. But I don't think that guys are really, guys in rock bands are singing stuff like this today or even, you know, pop pop music and stuff. Well, that's just what's so cool about this song, you know, like I outside of the context of the other Pearl Jam that I had heard in, in other ways and was just getting exposed to. I mean, yeah, no, I hadn't really heard music touch on those themes, um, at least specifically. And that's kind of a testament to what's so cool about Eddie's songwriting and his lyrics is that he finds a way to put you in the shoes of you know, and experience that empathy for for other people in ways you really didn't think. He's, like, absolutely incredible at writing um, from other people's perspectives, especially from the female perspective. I think that that's one of his biggest talents that um, people don't often see is he can write. I mean, obviously, this song is from his mom's perspective, and he does such a good job with it where, you know, me as a high school freshman just, just hearing this song can somehow connect to that even though I've obviously never experienced anything like that you know it's that's that's part of what's what's so moving and transformational about about their music and about his writing specifically with this song is his ability to cross to you know to reach across that bridge because that's not an easy thing to do and I don't think there's that many artists who can do that nearly as well as he can so that's just what's so cool about this song for me lyrically is that you know like I, I don't know I've I've I haven't experienced something like this, obviously, and, you know, I mean, not obviously, but I haven't experienced anything like this. Um, and, you know, by the end of the song, you know exactly how she feels. And that's something that shouldn't go without appreciating, because that's not an easy thing to communicate. And somehow through his songwriting, his music, his lyrics, and the way that he talks about it, he can do that. And that's really cool. Yeah, I think all art is supposed to be a expression and expression of empathy because you know you the artist is trying to communicate something and then the person experiencing it then is supposed to get something out of that they're supposed to either feel something themselves or you know try to understand what the artist was feeling or they were trying to uh to communicate and so it's it's okay let me think let me think um <laughs> where was i going <laughs> Um, it was, I think, very unique at the time to have somebody say, hey, guys, you know, this is what women go through. You know, it's, it's not all, not all women are just a prize, something to get a, you know, item to be checked off of a checklist or something like that. I mean, they're yeah, their own people absolutely. with their own right. feelings. I mean, talking and... about the context of music at, at that time and the way things had transformed over time, that's that's one of the big parts of it is, you know, obviously the the genre and music before that was written very differently and women were pretty objectified through all that. And I think that, you know, I'm it it was it was a lot of just the way the way that songs were written at times previously to that and i think a lot of that alongside you know the more the more produced aspects of like the rock scene like in the late 80s and through all that hair metal and all of that um that there was the pushback of you know seattle sound and grunge music and i think that that was one of the main one of the main aspects of it was we're going to talk about things differently in regards to women. That was part of it was, you know, kind of the first time that uh, songwriters were reaching out. So, I mean, yeah, that, in, the, in the context of like music history, I guess this song is a big deal for that reason. It's it by itself represents that shift. Yeah. Or at least, you know, popular music. I'm pretty sure there's right. other. On a popular yeah. level, obviously. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it, a lot of it was, you know, women was kind of, okay, women, you speak up for yourselves, guys, you know, we're going to tell our own stories and stuff like that, where, you know, maybe a guy would say, right. you know, stay away from my woman or something. And, 
it'd have to be something like that as right. opposed to hey even though it was about his mom it's sort of like a you know he doesn't say that specifically in the song and it's just sort of a story about uh, a couple and feeling trapped and like this is fate and you can't do anything and so you right. know people and i mean it it took me a while to appreciate that and understand that fully and you know that was that i guess that's part of the beauty of the song and also part of why you know they were and you know i'm sure we'll get into this more but you know that they didn't you know want this to turn into a pop song because on face value you know it's pretty easy and people already i mean people do who aren't you know in the fan community or you know don't listen <laughs> to um to pro jam's music with that much intent can easily you know kind of pull it out as a pop song like the the main lyric itself you can you know if you're not listening carefully you could you could per- perceive that in, in a more positive straightforward way and i think that um the 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 beauty of the song itself is um that he does that difficult thing of um kind of grabbing that um female perspective and telling a dark story and so you know he wants to make sure that and you know why why it was so personal to him and he you know all the way up until you know last minute you know with mm-hmm. Brennan O'Brien having to run around and pull things together to make what was the final studio track happen you know it it's it was because he didn't want people to be he didn't want the majority of people to be taken down the wrong path and not appreciate what exactly he was doing just because of how personal it was too this probably is also their most popular song up until uh, uh, Last Kiss came out, too, as, as, as far as something everybody knew, because this was a, a crossover hit, I guess, for them that, you know, they'd play this on the no on the pop stations or whatever, your 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 stations that that'll play uh, stuff from the 80s and 90s and whatever. This right. is something that everybody in the office can agree on, even the boss. Right. Yeah, no, definitely it has that crossover ability. So, I mean, it would make sense on it, you know, being being the last thing. Yeah, because after that, you know, we get no code and things get weird, but things get really <laughs> cool weird. So, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it, it, it has it's 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 damp with that with that kind of aspect of weirdness that Vitology has. That's just so freaking cool. But at the same time, I mean, it's still it's still a very accessible pop song that he obviously wrote at a very young age. Yeah. Um, did you have you listened to the uh any of the versions that uh that bad radio did? Yeah, I listened to the kind of studio demo version and then I listened to one of their live versions and it it's very much a time capsule. It's definitely it definitely has that age feel. There is something about Eddie's voice at that time that's slightly different. I don't know if it's the quality of those tapes between that and you know, like the Mama Son demo, all the all like the really early Eddie stuff. Um, he has kind of a different quality to his voice, and I mean, mm-hmm. the, the biggest differences with with the bad ra- radio version are, you know, I mean, it's in that different key, but it's also like pretty straightforward, a lot less dynamic than the you know than the final version, and it definitely is kind of as I said, a time capsule of uh, where he was at that time and what bad radio was and it it is kind of cool how this song kind of personifies his early growth all the way up to you know being in Pearl Jam and being a major success blowing up and you know just um dealing with all those aspects of fame and you know now kind of reaching back to your childhood and pulling out this new song it's interesting how it kind of grew with him yeah that's it's for the most part pretty much the same i mean like they they start they start kind of I was pulling out small differences, but yeah, overall, yeah, very, yeah. very similar. I mean, yeah, probably, probably Brennan O'Brien having that organ part in the beginning and then you kind of transitioning to the whole band really makes it stand out. And it's not just a another sort of, uh, okay, this is just a, a regular sort of song. It adds that little something that makes it stand out a little bit more, makes it feel a little bit more special, which I think that if it came out on verses that way, it probably wouldn't have been eh, it still might have been as big but it probably would have gotten lost with uh i don't know all the other sort of songs yeah. on I mean, on verses and who knows if they would have cut anything else out to try to 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 make room for it right i mean of course you never know but i think timing was just it, it worked out pretty well for them as far as the song goes because i couldn't 
I couldn't imagine this song really finding its place on versus just just the raw loud so freaking good i love that album but you know like i don't i don't know how i don't know how better man fits Mm -hmm. if you if you had to do that and would you take a song off it just it ended up being it ended up finding this its place on an album like phytology that had kind of a had had something more to it than just pearl jam's kind of second album how they kind of took a little bit of distance and you know the fact that it was released on vinyl for an extended period of time before it came out in other formats and you know just all that it it all just kind of granted the ability for a song like this to to fit on an album with a bunch of different sounds you know i think the fact that vitology is so all over the place is what lets them like it's it's almost it's it's kind of it's kind of ironic like the fact that vitology is so all over the place the fact that it is the album with bugs on it you know you mm-hmm. get you get you get Eddie in an accordion on this album and you get probably the best Pearl Jam's most comparable um version of Revolution number no. 9 with you know Foxy like i think it because there's so much diversity on that album it lets better man be the counterweight in that it's so straightforward as opposed to verses, where verses is very themed on, you know, we're coming back and it's going to be, you know, twice as intense as 10. And it's going to be a little, I guess, a little bit on the punkier side, which leads into, you know, Eddie transitioning into starting to play guitar and, you know, that kind of songwriting coming into play uh, with some of the harder hitting songs on Vitology. Yeah. But, you know, in, in the thick of all what, of what verses was, I don't know if Better Man fits. And with, with, with all of the, differences all across vitology it lets uh better man sit right in the middle of it nicely i guess yeah you get so much weird stuff it's you know a, a straight up pop song fits just fine on there because you know you have all this yeah. sort of weird stuff on there so why not right <laughs> exactly exactly um live this song is uh traditionally paired up with the tag the uh, english beat song saver for later started playing it because uh pete townsend did a version of uh saver for later so he was you know obsessed with pete and was like hey yeah i like this song i can kind of it kind of fits in a little bit with that two dozen other dirty lovers must be a sucker for it cry but i don't need my mother just hold my hand while I come to a decision on it. Sooner or later, your legs give way, you hit the ground. Save it for later, don't run away and let me down. Sooner or later, you hit the deck, you get found out. Sooner or later, you'll run away, you'll run away and let me down. Even though Save It For Later has a weird-ass, wacky tuning that uh, I don't think... Uh... Uh, Pearl Jam plays with. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 just difference in genre. I mean, you know, the English beat are an entirely different thing that I also love. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually, I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as an English beat fan, but I, I respect their music. I like their music. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a decent song. Actually, kind of funny backstory that I have with the English beat. That's kind of fun. Um, one of my um, good family friends uh, had like a huge Fourth of July party about like ten years ago or so. And the English beat played in their backyard. Oh, cool. I was not there. I was 10 years younger than I am now. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I've, I've seen video of this since. Um, good, good family friends with them. But um, their daughter, who's the youngest, I think. Yeah, the youngest, who plays the drums, got to 
play the drums with them for Save It For Later. Oh, cool. And there's a really, really awesome video that they have of her playing, like, on her little, like, kid drum set on the stage mm-hmm. with the English beat in their backyard playing Save It For Later. But that's kind of my connection to that song, I guess. So I kind of think of that whenever awesome. whenever I hear the tag. But the tag works, you know. I I, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess Pete Townsend probably is is the biggest thing that brings that connection but outside of that like i feel like there's i feel like there's more significance to a lot of pearl jam's other tags and with this one i guess it kind of just became like uh oh these chords fit this kind of works and then it just grew into something over time with them doing it live especially the whole don't run away part that's still basically in every version even if he doesn't do the full save it for later tag and they also have done i think uh i want to be your boyfriend from the ramones Yes, I saw that actually. I was, I was, I was taking a look at live for uh, live footsteps, making sure I remembered <laughs> what other songs they were tagging. Because I was like, you know, just doing it off the top of my head. I was like, I think it's just save it for later. But I did see that. Yeah, I love the Ramones, and you know, so so do they. So it's it, it makes sense. And there was also a time where uh, Eddie would play uh, a little of the uh, part from the song, uh, kind of folk song. I don't know what it is, classical guitar song, Romanza. Uh, before to intro the song, which I guess mm-hmm. kind of you would do instead of the uh, weird Ebo and uh, bass sort of thing. it takes the role of that yeah. have they ever I, I don't i mean from you know i've i've heard a bunch of versions of this and i don't know if they've have they ever mimicked that live i don't think they have um no i don't think so i think it was just something that kind of had they just kind yeah, of might for the album yeah because they, they might have had like different parts of like different weird messing around sort of things that you know kind of like okay we have i davenita I guess we'll just put that on it, and they had just like, oh, let's take a clip of this, right. a clip of that, or something, and put it in the beginning of, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. I guess that's what you get with a album in which the liner notes are Eddie's dental screenings, so yes. or at least <laughs> Corduroy's lyrics, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's I guess part of the album. It is it is interesting to see, you know, if they would ever do that because you know I know that they. They have done that with Go in the past, which was something that I wasn't exposed to for a pretty long time until I heard one of the shows in which they opened with it, and they kind of did that. I think I think it was Toronto 2016 was when I first came across it, but they opened with Go, and they kind of mimicked the album intro with how the, how the drums come in and kind of have that false start before they really count in. Um, which is kind of a really cool effect. So yeah. I guess they they have they have actually they have actually kind of done that type of thing before. So it'd be interesting to see if they've ever done that with Better Man. I don't think so though, from all the versions I've ever listened to. Uh, since since this was such a uh, a huge sort of uh, pop song that was everywhere, my uh, brother made fun of me because I was a Pearl Jam fan and would always sing along. Uh, Can't find a buttermint uh, <laughs> <laughs> to make fun of it. <laughs> poke fun at me yeah the only the only the only pun i can think of with spider-man other than the name of your show is uh how uh uh david letterman talked about it uh for his induction speech and how he talked about how he requested that eddie perform that during his last week of shows before he retired and you know he tells us he tells the awesome story about his son and eddie giving his son a guitar uh but he also says you know you know, Eddie played Better Man. I like to think of that because it rhymes with Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a. I love that speech. <laughs> I, 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 I've never brought myself to watch it for some reason. I don't know. I, right. I, I maybe I'm a little bitter because I always wanted to be in a famous rock band so I could induct Pearl Jam in, and then Letterman got it instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, let's see, is there, um, is there anything else about this song that you think that, uh... I mean, I guess that's, that's, that's pretty much everything, I guess, you know, instrumentally, I think, uh, we talked about the organ, I think that that, that's kind of, that's kind of big, you know, now that I, you know, I listened to it last night and kind of was gathering my thoughts about everything, and I 
you know, thought about how that might connect to, you know, Boom's presence in the band later on. Mm-hmm. Um, because, mm. you know, the organ was used sparingly in a couple of other places, but the way that it's used in the song specifically um, is very Boom-like for at least most of his songs. You know, obviously he's known for his, you know, solos on Crazy Mary and those kinds of things. But, you know, at least his presence in some of the some of the main music, I guess it's, it's very similar to Brendan O'Brien's organ here. And then also it might be, you know, worn out at this point with the conversation about drummers but i think that you know when people talk about Dave, a lot of it's about um just how powerful he was and you know the just how um yeah just how powerful he was on some of the harder hitting songs especially on this album and on verses um but even even on better man just how freaking hard his snare hits i mean yeah that snare could kill people it's crazy but you know, even when when the band comes in, that's that's a notable thing. But I mean, as far as musically goes, I think that's basically everything. Yeah. What um, do you have? Let's see. The song for me, I think I burnt out a little bit on it just because it was the most you know the most famous Pearl Jam song, and it was like huge and kind of everybody knew it, and so it was kind of like, oh, it's not as special because it's not you know mm-hmm. something that's that's just mine or whatever like that, which you know. Right. You're young and you're stupid and you kind of do <laughs> you kind of get into that and then people you know and then people would start singing the whole intro and they would be kind of like oh hey you know everybody you know just sing this part so you know you kind of think it's like oh so I don't have to do it or whatever but I think I've, I, I, right. I, I definitely have turned around on the song where it's kind of like you know if I'm going to name podcast after the song <laughs> I got to kind of yeah, not hate it have to not hate it yeah <laughs> yeah but uh it, it it is real, you know, powerful. How many people, you know, they love the song and they want to sing along with it, and you know, it's it's kind of touched so many people and everything, and you know, just kind of listen to it. It's like, ah, you know what? That is a that is a great damn song. That is a well written song. Yeah, it's hard to argue with it. You know, again, like you know, sometimes sometimes simple is what works, and it does it does kind of symbolize the connection that the fan base has. As far as like it burning out on me. I think there was definitely a period, um, but I think that that's the beauty of this band, is that whenever you're burnt out on something, something else sounds cool, um, and I guess that's the advantage I had, you know, being younger and kind of not being, you know, being exposed to this band, and right up front, I have all 10 albums, Yeah, and, you know, that's that was kind of the benefit of that experience was, you know, I could pop around a lot just like the way they do with their concerts and how everything just kind of fits into the mix of the whole machine and um you know they 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 prefer different things at different times and that's kind of you know how my lifetime as a Pearl Jam fan has worked out so I think there was a period of time where Better Man did kind of fade out but even when I didn't prefer to listen to it I recognized how important and personal it was um to me as far as allowing me to be exposed to and love all of their other music yeah, and they've also been around for so long for for us uh, us older fans, us elderly fans, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could be burnt out on something, and then you know, you, there's been plenty of time where you could go back. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot how great of an album this is, or how uh, like I, f- I totally forgot how that I used to love this song, and you know, I I, I kind of can fall in love with it again. Right. I mean, it for me, I guess it's just it's that same experience, but sped up mm-hmm. because you know people who've lived through the band got to experience these last 10 albums over uh just a little over 20 years and this you know we got we got the largest gap here but you know by running time apparently the longest album right with gigaton um now going on 30 years but for me it was those first 10 albums in like a month <laughs> you mm-hmm. know so it was it was that same experience but i guess that at hyper speed but that 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 let me that that allowed me to have that same experience of outside of kind of listening to the studio album somewhat uh chronologically um especially with the live stuff being able to jump around and you know be like i'm not feeling this right now this this sounds more interesting yeah and just kind of experimenting with all that um let's see i think we're we we, we've done it we're we're at the end and uh so then do you do you have anything to uh to plug that you want people to look out for for you or stuff that you think uh you like and other people might not be that aware of that they should uh check out 
I mean, as far as plugs, I mean, nothing, nothing too specific. I mean, I'm, I'm on social media. I'm in, I'm in lots of the, you know, Facebook groups and I'm a 10 club member. So you guys might see me around in some ways, I guess, uh, the, the big things i mean i i have i have a podcast of my own it is it is on sports it's kind of out on the other side of the things it's called sports scouts um and it's i do it with one of my friends for our student newspaper which i'm the uh, one of the two editors in chief of and um just recently i guess i mean i don't know i don't know when this is coming out but considering everything with uh covid19 and how that's changing our lives one of my friends and i are doing this uh live radio show that's somewhat inspired off of an idea we previously had to just do that in general, but also kind of inspired off of um, kind of the casual uh, long uh, radio show kind of feel that self-pollution radio brought. So um, it's called The COVID Escape. You can find it on most of my social medias. It's on it's on a website, an app called Mixler, um, but we've been doing that. And that's kind of one of the main ways me and some of my music friends have been spending our time in social distancing, just kind of bringing us together through music because that's um you know if we have nothing else then i guess you know music will still be there so i guess kind of bringing our friends together and some other people i know that uh the single podcast theory guys saw it and promoted it on their page which was awesome didn't even ask for them to do that that was cool um but it's kind of been a fun thing um you know if if you're okay with listening to two high school seniors be stupid in between music (laughs) um then uh check it out but you know that's that's kind of what's going on with me Okay, well, uh, things are coming on and talking, and it's always good to have different uh, points of view from people who have different experiences with with the band we all know and love. Yep, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. The Better Band Podcast is produced by com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at betterbandpod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any stories and insights you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Joey and as always, this is Brandon saying... Oh, I love the sexy slit of a lady snake. Oh, baby.